The finalists in the Ockham New Zealand book Mary and Peter Biggs Award for Poetry are four women. They're women of colour who talk about their experiences of owning their space, their resilience and resistance, their tragedies and their celebrations. It's rare to speak with a judge, but tonight Diane Brown, convener of judges for this category, is with us to recite some of the women's work and tell us where poetry sits in the hierarchy of literature. Diane, good evening. Good evening. Wonderful to have you with us tonight. Where shall we start? Um, just thinking about that question of where poetry sits in the hierarchy of literature is a good question. Um, of course, being a poet myself and just judging all these uh, books, I would have to say at the top, but novelists and uh, non-fiction writers and memoirists might take issue with that. Everyone's allowed to take issue and you're allowed to say exactly where it sits and this is the poetry hour or night, so at the top is where it sits. Where shall we start with who, right. with who you have to read? Um, okay, would you like me to read some and just explain a little bit yes. about them? Yes, let's um, do that. Yeah, okay. Uh, so we'll start off with, um, I'm just picking them up, I've got the four uh, fine, the most, the four most um, wonderful uh, finalists here, and I should say that um, we had an embarrassment of uh, riches. We had forty-five books to choose from, which is um, a lot. Um, it's just much, much more than uh, previous years, um, and so it was pretty tough. It was pretty tough. Um, judgments had to be made. Um, but in the end, we were um, pretty unanimous with our uh, decisions and uh, very proud of them. Um, so we ended up with four women. In fact, I didn't even think about that until somebody told me the other day. Um, oh, that's right. Uh, that was just uh, coincidental. So we'll start off with um, a fairly accessible poem to begin with. This is... Um, Joanna Cho's uh, People Person. We all um, fell in love with this book at the you know, as soon as we'd read it, really. It's uh, really engaging. It's very real. It talks about um, things like having cleaning, a cleaning job and failed relations and relationships and a really moving um, connection with the mother in this uh, book of poetry. And uh, this one really amused me, this poem. It's about a young woman ringing up her boyfriend who's uh, driving back from basketball. I'm not sure whether he's talking on the mobile phone while he's driving, but we'll just ignore that bit. And um, she's seeking from, some help from him. And this is a poem called Dig Deep. I have to write a poem, but I'm finding it quite hard. So I call him and he says, Dig Deep. He is driving back from basketball in Palmy, where he trains three times a week. Picture him drinking a large bottle of protein shake in an old Corolla on the open road at night. I say, I just wanted to run some ideas by you. And he says, you know, Joe, it's a game of inches. And I go, huh? I proceed. I'm not sure if the voice is mine. And he says, trust in the process. It's a long game. You've got plenty of time. So I go, yeah, but musically it's not working. 
and he adds, have you been studying the plays coach sent us? And I hold the phone a little away from my ear, look at it disbelievingly, then place it back. Um, and I'm just going to, it's quite a long poem, I'm just going to sort of leap down to the end of this um, this poem where this young woman is trying to uh, get some advice about writing poetry and is not getting very far because the boyfriend really wants to talk about basketball. And so the end is, this does not inspire me. I go to hang up, but suddenly with renewed gusto, he goes, teamwork makes the dream work. And that's <laughs> that's the end of that poem. And it just really appealed to me about the this idea of teamwork uh, for writing poetry, which is pretty much always um, not teamwork, but solo work. Indeed, very much solo work, isn't it? Well, you, I mean, you're a poet yourself, and yes, it's an experience you're familiar with. It is, but I guess the, the one thing that I really love about poetry is it is a solo um, work often, and but then you get, if you're lucky, you get to go and read it in public, and there's something wonderful about that um, experience of um, reading it to a live audience, really. Or so, an audience on the radio. Exactly, which is also a live audience of a different kind. Yeah, so just to recap, that was People Person by Joanna Cho, which is published by Te Heringa Waka University Press. That's right. Would you like me to read another one? Yes, please. Um, so um, it's pretty unusual. Uh, this year's four of the um, finalists, uh, three of the finalists, sorry, uh, it's um, first books. Usually in the finalists you have, you might be lucky if you've got one uh, first book. So um, we've got three that are all eligible for the best first book, which will be announced in May. Um, so this is a book by a, quite a young um, Somalian woman, Kadro Mohammed, and it's called We're All Made of Lightning. And this is about um, really her... Um, wanting or longing um, to be in Somalia. But at the moment, she's in Cairo. I trace my whakapapa to Somalia, only a few jagged lines in the sand from where I stand now. And every day that I am in Cairo, I resist the urge to cut my palm wide open, to watch the skin bleed, to press my ear against the crimson and listen to it rush, desperate to hear something familiar. And that's just a little piece of a long bit because this book has got quite a few sort of um, prose-like uh, pieces in it, um, all about uh, different places, as I say, Cairo. Um, this is a really uh, nice bit about this um, teacher in New Zealand who is from... Um, Rwanda and uh, so there's different things and some are quite prose-like but that's just a little piece from a longer piece. That was great I almost want you to read it again can you read it again <laughs> go on. Would you like me to read it again? Yes it's please you know when that happens you listen to the radio and you're like oh, I just wish they'd say that again go on go on. Yes I know that's often the case with poetry. I trace my whakapapa to Somalia 
only a few jagged lines in the sand from where I stand now. And every day that I am in Cairo, I resist the urge to cut my palm wide open, to watch the skin bleed, to press my ear against the crimson and listen to it rush, desperate to hear something familiar. Thank you. So it's that sort of, that's longing, the longing to be um, somewhere which is so close, but you can't go to it. Yes. For all sorts of political reasons. Poetry, yes, good poetry has a way of just being able to say the things that we actually can't. Exactly. So um, that was, oh, oh, oh no, I'll, I'll just recap. That was We're All Made of Lightning, or from We're All yeah. Made of Lightning, Kadro Muhammad, published by We Are Babies Press, Tender Press. Yes, that's the other thing um, to um, notice about this, these awards. There's a lot of different publishers, a lot of uh, new publishers, which is a really great thing. You know, it's not um, not just the mainstream publishers anymore. It's kind of, I think that's not just for the poetry, but for the other, um, you know, the fiction and the non-fiction as well. So it's quite exciting, really. It's sort of, I don't know, broken open some barriers, I think. Well, it sounds like it. Let me ask a question. Are the publishers, this variety of publishers, are they all New Zealand publishers? Um. The poetry ones are all New Zealand publishers, yeah. Um, I don't know about the um, some of the other ones, whether they so they may be some other from elsewhere. I'm not sure. I mean, the writers are all New Zealanders, so um, it's possible. I can't answer that question. That's okay. It, it's raised yeah. a question, and it's also suggesting that there that poetry in New Zealand is growing potentially we're actually coming of age on some level, if that's such a phrase, how appropriate that is, yeah. I'm not sure. Um, I'm sure it is. I, I mean, I, I, I was struck particularly this year that there was just a lot of uh, people that had quite a lot to say and uh, there's quite a lot of, um, it, it's just the sort of the last few years have been quite turbulent and that's reflected in the poetry, really. Um, there was sort of a lot of urgency in the work. There were things that need to be said and need to be said quickly, um, really, uh, and asking sort of positing urgent and challenging questions uh, to readers. So uh, that was that's quite exciting. It is um, indeed. Who else have we got? That was two. Now number three. Not in this particular, any particular order. Don't want anyone no, to think that not, we're favouring any anyone. Order. <laughs> they just how they happen to be sitting on my desk. Uh, so I'll read um, something from Always Italicised by Alice Tiponga Somerville. Um, again, I think um, that we found all of us found this uh, very a, a very moving collection. It's um, it's pretty challenging, and I'll, I'm going to read from quite a long poem, but I'm reading it because uh, from the um, point of view of myself, a Pākehā woman living in Dunedin, which is a fairly um, monocultural place, this really gave me pause to think. Um, 
about unconscious bias, I really, I think. I'm just going to read the end of the poem, but the beginning of it, just to give it some context, is uh, the narrator in the poem is returning um, home after having driven her husband to the airport uh, to go to fly to Fiji. And as she arrives home, the neighbour next door comes in and says, do you um, speak to the landlord very often? because she wants to complain about a tree that's over the driveway um, from next door. And uh, so this is towards the end of the poem where the narrator says, why did you think we were tenants? You said something illogical, but it didn't matter. We both knew what had gone on here. Despite everything, I smiled to myself. I had decided to write a Waitangi poem today. I'd been thinking about metaphors while I sped through acres of literal violence. So many Waikato killing fields, farms on stolen land drenched with Banaban bones, past the faded sign for a cafe called Cook's Landing. And then the poem walked out to the car as soon as it heard me pull in the driveway. Um, perhaps I didn't explain that quite <laughs> properly enough. But um, the point of the poem is the narrator owns the house and is trying to tell the neighbour that they own the house. But the neighbour, it just doesn't fit with um, her reality that a Maori woman and a Fijian man can be owners of a house. Exactly. Mm. So it really it made me think. Um, am I guilty myself of making such assumptions? And I think that's the purpose of poetry too. Uh, sometimes it's uncomfortable to read and um, it's good. It's good to be taken somewhere uncomfortable and question your own uh, values and, and uh, how you see the world. I agree. Now, uh, just to recap, that was from Always Italicise, How to Write While Colonised, Alice Tipunga Somerville, published by Auckland University Press. Diane, what's our fourth poem um, our of the fourth four finalists? Is, <laughs> um, the four, this um, next book is Sedition by Anahira Myri Gudea. Um, and that's um, a very... Um, there's lots of very um, strong words in this poem. Also, um, it's quite confronting at times, um, but some of it is uh, very moving. Um, there, are, there are poems in here about losing a young child. Um, and, yeah, so I'm just going to read uh, this poem called Time. Time can heal anything. It can staple over that hole in the ozone, feed the starving, end racism. Time is the idealist's last hope. It can buy that big house and take back that miscarriage. It can do up those buttons that you undid and put that shirt back on. Time can take your hand from my breast and remove those fingers tracing my spine. It can take your lips off my thighs and increase the pressure of my hands against your stomach. Time can silence your quiet laughter in my ear 
and stop my breath from hasping, ragged and caught. Time can heal anything, you said. And there's a bit of an attitude, I think, in that last line. Time can heal anything, you said. And that's from Sedition Anahira Maire Gildea, published by Tarahiki Bush Lawyer. How, as, as the convener of judges for this category, Diane, what, and you've, and you've said, sorry, did you say 45 books of poetry have come down to fourth? Yes. It, which is a, that must have taken a bit of time. It did. To coordinate some... that, let alone come <laughs> up with, right? Just thinking that through off the top of my head, albeit sitting in a radio studio with no experience of judging poetry. Uh, well, I was really lucky in my uh, fellow pub, um, judges, um, Sari Baffett, from, uh, who's a Samoan woman from Auckland, and Gregory Khan, who's a Chinese man from uh, Wellington. So three judges, we um, come from very different backgrounds, um, but we seem to manage to get on very well. We had a lot of um, Zoom conversation, conversations, so we could see each other and um, get to know each other a bit. Um, and certainly once you start to uh, give your opinions about various books, you learn quite quickly. And then we had a meeting in Wellington um, one day. And uh, that was, you know, it's always good to meet face to face and sling the books around the table as we kind of, tried to get our 10 together and shifted things around, shuffled things around. and But we didn't, um, there was no shouting. We came, we were pretty unanimous in the end. Um, and, you know, it, it was a question of listening uh, to the others and uh, from their point of view, what they thought was important. Um, but as I say, so everything that we um, mostly uh thought about was this four in the end that moved and engaged us all that challenged us made us reflect about uh where we are in new zealand um and uh the state of the world basically the power of poetry diane brown thank you very much for your time tonight and for and for doing such great readings as well really appreciate that thank you thank you Kakite.